Um, Today's reading is taken from chapter 16. In fact, it's the whole of chapter 16 in Exodus and can be found on page 73 of the uh, Church Bible. Manna and Quail The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening... Quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots 
and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat. To eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law, that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years, until they came to a place that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Lord, may your word feed us and sustain us. Amen. We're free! Yeah! Yeah! Freedom! (sighs) Feels good to be free, doesn't it? Right. Now what? What does it mean to be free? To recap, just in case you're wondering what on earth I'm going on about, we're in Exodus, right? The Israelites were being kept as slaves in Egypt. But God heard their cries for help and sent Moses to ask Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh said no. So God sent various plagues to punish Egypt until eventually Pharaoh could take no more and agreed to let the Israelites go. So the Israelites packed up their things and left Egypt. But Pharaoh had a change of heart and decided to go after them with his army. Pharaoh pursued the Israelites to the banks of the Red Sea. But God parted the Red Sea to allow the Israelites to cross before the waters came crashing down on the pursuing Egyptian army. You're probably familiar with the story. 
And that's pretty much it, right? There's the Ten Commandments and a bit of aimless wandering around the desert, but not much else in the book of Exodus worth bothering about, is there? The makers of the animated film Prince of Egypt certainly didn't think so. You might be familiar with the film. Jody's shown some clips of it uh, in the past. The film's based on the book of Exodus. But the dramatic climax of the film is the parting of the Red Sea, with the Egyptians finally defeated and the Israelites finally free. Then dramatic music plays as Moses comes down the mountain with the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments and the final credits scroll. The end. But in fact, we're less than halfway through the book of Exodus. That bit of wandering in the desert I mentioned actually lasted for 40 years. I can see why the filmmakers chose to end the film where they did, though. 40 years of wandering around the desert doesn't make for great entertainment, especially as it's not long before the moaning starts. We're free! Yeah! Great! I'm starving. What's for dinner? Where's the nearest McDonald's? What do you mean there's no McDonald's in the desert? Why is this place you've brought us to? We should have stayed in Egypt. At least they had decent food. Actually, I'm being a bit harsh. The Israelites had packed some basic supplies when they left Egypt, but the food was not enough to last them very long. It soon ran out. They were in the middle of an unfamiliar desert, and there were no obvious food sources around. It's easy for me to stand here and be cynical about their apparent lack of faith, but I suspect that anyone who's been in the position of genuinely not knowing where their next meal is coming from would be a bit more sympathetic. You might also wonder why God, having promised to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and deliver them to the promised land, didn't lead them to the promised land straight away, rather than allowing them to wander around the desert for 40 years. It's a fair question. It's never easy to answer questions about why God allows hardship and suffering. But the Bible itself gives some clues in this instance. In Deuteronomy it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, they simply weren't ready yet. Although physically free, they hadn't quite shaken off all the chains of their slavery in Egypt. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for generations, which means that it was the only life the people Moses freed had ever known. They'd forgotten how to be God's people. The main problem with life in Egypt, as far as they were concerned, was that they were the slaves. I'm sure they wouldn't have minded living the life Pharaoh led. The way things had worked in Egypt was the only way they knew. They needed to learn a different way. First, they needed to learn to put their faith in God. Notice how when things start getting tough, the Israelites begin to grumble against Moses and Aaron. Moses has been clear from the start that he has been sent by God to lead his people to freedom. But the Israelites find it easier to look on Moses as the leader who's led them to this point, rather than the God they cannot see. And so it is to Moses that they turn when things go wrong. The Egyptian society in which they had lived believed in many gods, and there would have been images of them everywhere. 
great statues, wall paintings, engravings. And Pharaoh himself would have been seen as a godlike figure, robed in finery, surrounded by wealth and opulence, with great power at his disposal, and seemingly a divine right to rule. By contrast, Moses must have seemed like a very ordinary-looking, ragged, desert wanderer. And there were no great images or idols of this God of Moses to look upon in all. The Israelites needed to learn how to recognise the true God. Moses explains to them that it's not he that they're grumbling against, but the Lord. In verse 6 it says, So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. And just as they had promised, verse 10, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The glory of God cannot be seen in immovable idols made by human hands, but in God's own creation. The glory of Egypt was not built by Pharaoh, but by slaves. But the glory of God's kingdom was built by God's own hand. In fact, the Israelites had already seen the evidence that God was greater than the gods of Egypt. The plagues that afflicted Egypt when Pharaoh refused to free the Israelite slaves were targeted at the aspects of nature that the Egyptians ascribed to their various gods. It was proof that God was Lord of all creation and that Egypt's idols were powerless, empty symbols. But the Israelites seem to have developed selective memories. This can be seen in their complaint that they were better off in Egypt. In verse 3, they say, We sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Was life really so good in Egypt? Had they really been better off there? Certainly they would have seen fried food in Egypt, but did they really get to eat it as much as they wanted? Certainly they'd have been fed, enough to keep them alive, perhaps even enough to keep them strong enough to be useful workers. And perhaps, facing what must have seemed like a very real prospect of starving to death, that may have seemed an attractive alternative. But here's where God has another lesson for them. God hears their complaints, and food is provided. Note that the food is not provided straight away, only when their own supplies of food have run out. God is there when there is nowhere else for them to turn. The Israelites need to learn to rely on God alone and not on their own strength and resources. What do you make of this strange foodstuff? It's easy to see this as a miraculous, supernatural food laid on by God, especially for the wandering Israelites. That's possible, of course. But there may, in fact, be a more natural explanation. The quails, certainly, can be easily explained. Birds migrate in large numbers, and exhausted after a long flight can be easily caught by hand. As for the manna, there are certain insects that feed off the sugary resin of certain trees in the desert. These excrete a honeydew, which becomes sticky and solid, and can later turn a whitish colour. It's rich in carbohydrates and can be baked into a form of bread, but decays quickly and can attract ants. Did you know about that? No, me neither. And crucially, neither did the Israelites. Perhaps you prefer to think of the manna as a supernatural substance, created by God to meet the needs of the wandering Israelites. But I prefer to see this as more evidence of the glory of God's creation, 
that the food was there all along and always part of God's plan, unknown to the Israelites. There's another lesson here in not being greedy and not taking more than we need. Egypt was a place of huge inequality. From the great wealth and power of Pharaoh to the extreme poverty and subjugation of the slaves. This was the only model of society that the Israelites knew. And it had taught them to take as much as they could for themselves. It had taught them that only the strong survive and the weak get left behind. God wanted to teach them a different way. The kingdom of God is a place where everyone has as much as they need. No more, no less. And so the Israelites found themselves only able to gather the food that they needed and unable to store it up, but having to use only what was provided each day. The Israelites needed to learn that all are equal in God's eyes. This meant that no one should gather more than they need at the expense of others. In Egypt, those who were strongest and able to work the hardest got the greatest rewards. Here, everyone had to work to gather their food, but each person worked as hard as they could, according to their abilities. And the reward for everyone was the same. Each person had as much as they needed. The final lesson the Israelites had to learn was to rest. On the sixth day, the Israelites were able to gather and prepare twice as much food as usual. This was so that they wouldn't have to do any work on the seventh day. The seventh day would be a Sabbath, a day of rest. In Egypt, people would have worked every day. Pharaoh would have demanded it. But whereas Pharaoh and his false gods needed people to work for him, God does not need us to do God's work. We sometimes see the Sabbath as a day devoted to God, the day we feel obliged to go to church and to do whatever God wants us to do for a change. But that's not what the Sabbath is all about. We should follow God every day of our lives. But the Sabbath is for us, a day of rest. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. How do we see our own lives? Compared with those of the Israelites, I wonder. Is our society more like that of Egypt or of God's kingdom? And where are we on our journey? Are we still slaves in Egypt, unable to escape the ways of this world? Are we living in the promised land, living just as God taught us? Or are we in the desert, knowing we are free from the chains of slavery, but still learning how to live as God's people? And if that's where we are, let's remember the first lesson God taught the Israelites as they escaped the chains of slavery and started to learn what it meant to be God's people. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen.